0: Welcome to the USF Oracle Sports Podcast. Where we talk sports with some of USF's best athletes, coaches, and all-around great human beings. My name is Nolan Brown. And
1: I'm Hannah Halili.
0: Let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Uh, You haven't heard from us in a while. I want to say, actually, probably right after the Memphis game, I want to say... Um, It's been an interesting couple weeks. We were planning on doing a pod um, right after the Houston game, but you know what, we just figured things didn't work out and we didn't really want to talk about another depressing loss, Um, but we're back from our little hiatus um, to talk about some basketball. That's right, it's hoop season. Uh, Actually, this week, actually tomorrow at the time of recording this, uh, USF men's team will take on Florida College. Um, Tomorrow at 11 a.m., so while you're probably having your morning meeting, uh, USF men's team will be kicking off their season, but I'm here with our resident basketball expert. I'm
1: joined by Francisco. Uh, Francisco, how are you? Doing well, Nolan. Just ready to cover it again this season and see what they can do.
0: Absolutely, and I think really the most exciting thing about these two teams, uh, when you look at the men's team and the women's team, of course, women's team. For the first time in program history, they're tabbed to win the conference uh, in the preseason poll. Of course, the Yukon Huskies are no longer part of the AAC. Um, their reign of terror, if you want to call it that, is over. Um, they can go; they're off to the uh, the Big East now, so they can go tear up that league. But that leaves USF um, as the the ones who are picked to really uh, to to shine in the conference and, and win it all. Um, of course, they have. Plenty of teams that are targeting them. We'll kind of get to that a little later on. Um, but also the men's team. Uh, the men's team has picked kind of almost like a bit of a dark horse in the AAC. Uh, they're sitting at fifth top half of the, um, of the, the, the rankings uh, for the preseason. I don't know. I got a feeling they could surprise a few people. Um, of course, last year wasn't really what they expected. Honestly, for anyone, it wasn't what we expected um, having the postseason tournament. Uh, cut off, but a few key losses last year for the men's team, just really surprising um, for them. But they're building a, a pretty big team of of important players and, and big players on that team. So I don't know. I'm excited to see where both teams go. But I really I want to start off just going through who we think are going to be really important players for both of the teams. Um, I want to start with the women's team first kind of going in categories of, you know, players that stand out, just overall playmakers that we think um, are going to be key newcomer of the year and uh surprise player, some, a player that can jump out and maybe be a, an important six man or heck, maybe even break into the first team. So Francisco, who would you say are your players that stand out the most on the women's team?
1: So I, I think if we're going to talk about the women's team, the two names that come to mind immediately are elite. Elena Chinecki and Bethy Manunga, they were arguably the, the two best players on the team last year. Chinecki averaged twelve point four points a game, two rebounds, one point six, 1.6 assists, and was the AAC Freshman of the Year. Um, had a great season. Miss missed the first five games um, due to you know some NCAA ineligibility things. But once she once she came into the team, she. Hit the ground, not running, but but sprinting. Really, she she was just in, she was great from in the backcourt for the Bulls. You know, she she just played a really pivotal role in helping them be successful last season. And Bethy Manungo was just a monster. Nearly averaged a double double. Um, led the conference in rebounds per game and total rebounds. She she was just a beast. And, you know, this year she's she's nominated for, you know, the Katrina McLean Award, which is annually given out to the best power forward in the country. So um, those are the two players that, you know, if USF's going to be successful, these two girls are going to have amazing seasons. So look forward to them.
0: Yeah, you know, speaking of Betty Menonga, I mean, honestly, I, when I wrote down my my two picks i th- i didn't even think of her just because she's been so consistent for the team um just since day 1 uh pretty like you said a double double almost every single game um i think she went on a streak of i don't even have it in front of me i think she went on a streak of like 8 games in a row or something like that i could i don't know it felt like it um just her going out every game and just performing but um my two players I think a pair of guards. I'm gonna go with Alana Sineki and Elisa Pinzon. Um Sinecki, of course, freshman of the year last season, twelve point four points per game, like you said, Francisco, but she's she's incredible. I mean, she's easily, I think, USF's best player um in terms easily, of just yeah in, in terms of just finding the, the bucket really. Um, but Eliza Pinzon, she has really grown into that. Role. And I think a lot of times last season, she was just such a reliable guard uh, for USF. Um, in 2018 19, she averaged uh, 26% from the field. Not great at all. Uh, but last season, she's got that up to 36%, a huge improvement from that. The season before, too, four and a half points per game. And then right after the next season, nine points per game. So she's shown that growth over time, which has been so impressive um, to see. And honestly, I think she's going to take that to a new height.
1: She 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 really came into her own as, like, the playmaker that USF needed, led the conference in assists, you know. Um, and, and she was also a reliable three-point shooter, which after Maria Alvarez went down, they, they really needed that because Maria Alvarez was the best shooter on the team. Um, so... They really needed that from her. Her and Sydney Harvey picked that up and and were really just a good combination in the backcourt for USF.
0: Turning our attention a little bit to um, not necessarily freshman, not necessarily transfer, but we'll go with newcomer of the year. Um, Francisco, who's your pick for new face for USF for the women's team?
1: So I went I went with the freshman, um, Jade Blagrove. She's a freshman, another international out of the Netherlands. Um, she has a pretty impressive resume coming out of high school, out of Europe. So during her senior year, she averaged 17.6 points and 10 rebounds per game, which is is, is really extraordinary, you know, another double-double, you know? So that they could have potentially two double-double threats on this team in Betty Menunga and, and Jade Blagrove. She was also the MVP in the European girls basketball league tournament that, that's held in Belarus each year. So I think that she can come in and be uh, an immediate contributor in the front court and and on the team throughout the season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know what, you might've read my mind because I picked Jade um, as well as my newcomer of the year for the same reason, honestly. I mean, she's just, like we said, averaging a double-double on the season. Um, at Calandesium in the Netherlands. That's where she went and played uh, her her prep ball. Um, I, yeah, I mean, for all the reasons that you said, uh, I I promise we'll have some different picks um, as we get further along in the pod. But, um, yeah, I mean, I got a feeling she's going to be pretty impressive, Um, not to put too much pressure on, but just from, like, day one honestly um i think when usf takes on jacksonville uh on saturday i have a feeling she'll get quite a lot of minutes first of all i mean Mm -hmm. they they beat jacksonville pretty handily last season Um, not to underestimate them of course but i feel like that's a game where a lot of freshmen are gonna be uh deployed um and we'll kind of see them rotate in and out and i think jade is going to be pretty pivotal in that game um again i don't have a crystal ball i'm just anticipating maybe predicting um but yeah she impresses me on paper and um i'm pretty excited to see what she can do in person because i think she could be uh, another double double machine which you have two of those on one team yikes man like you're 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 killing it really if, if that is the case um let's move on actually to surprise player of the season uh usf has a lot of talent on their team, but mm-hmm. some players um, have obviously more than others. And a lot of players have have ways to go um, in terms of developing. But, you know, there's always a chance where in the season you could just get someone who goes off. Uh, Francisco, yeah. who's your surprise player of the season for the women's team?
1: So my surprise player is Cristina Bermejo. Um, she's a sophomore out of Spain. Um didn't play too much, too big of a role last season, averaged just over 10 minutes a game. Um, but from, according to what um, Jose Fernandez has said, um, super impressed with with her offseason, you know. Um, he said that she could be carving out a much bigger role for herself. He can see her playing multiple positions. You know, she's versatile wing slash forward. Um, I, um, I think she's going to have a good season. I think she's gonna have a really good season. I think she's gonna be another person that can that can contribute. but like you said, usF has a lot of talent. this they have a lot of depth this year. so you never know anybody, any of these freshmen, any any of these players that didn't have as big of a role. you could see them pop off this season, you know, because they're just so deep. you never know every single night somebody else somebody could have a could have could have a a good game a big game so you never know what's gonna happen
0: i actually i agree with you on well i guess all of what you said uh on that i did pick uh christina Bermejo too i also picked mihela Lazic. um mm. she's a player that we didn't see last season i i don't know what kind of injury she had uh off the top of my head and i didn't even write it down how pedestrian of me but um yeah jose fernandez coach jose fernandez has been really talking a lot um, about having Mihaela Lazic back. Uh, will she start? I'm not sure. Um, I've got a feeling she'll be in that rotation, definitely, and she'll get quite a lot of minutes. Um, but yeah, just based on what he said alone about Mihaela Lazic, I feel like from we haven't seen her yet, obviously, but from what we will see, I think it'll be pretty impressive. But Uh, yeah, Romejo agreeing with you on that one. Uh, last year came came off the bench quite a bit, um, averaged about 10 minutes a game, two and a 2.1 points per game. So nothing crazy, nothing impressive, uh, based on that. But from what we've heard from Jose, she's been the most improved player, um, on the team and and she's had an incredible off season. So, and I, I mean, in a few games, we would see flashes of brilliance from her, um, you know, just just the way she was locked in uh, in a few games, but maybe that would be more consistent and uh, more of a common thing that we see throughout the season. Um,
1: so I I pulled up Mahela Lazic's um, bio on the USF website, and and it says she she missed the season with a back injury. So okay, and she got injured right after that that game against Jacksonville. So. She, got injured pretty early on in the season. That's right.
0: Was that Jacksonville game the first game of the
1: season? I'm, I'm almost positive it was.
0: Okay. Knock but on wood for I, for Saturday.
1: Yeah. Hopefully everybody stays healthy. Speaking of staying healthy, though, I want to give special consideration to Maria Alvarez coming back from a knee injury this season. I think, you know, I said Sineke was the best player on the team, but I think Maria Alvarez might have been my favorite player on the team last year. She was just the most exciting player when she was on the floor. She she was an absolute sniper from three-point range, you know. She, there was four games where she hit over 50% of her threes, including one game where she made five of seven shots, 71% against VCU. So she was just she could come off the bench, she could be in the starting lineup and just give you buckets, you know. She can go in there and get points, get hot. So whether Jose wants to bring her off the bench, put her in the starting lineup, she can be a microwave type of scorer that can give them big minutes and short spurts of time, which you always need in case in case of anything. If you want to extend the lead or, or start a comeback, you need players like Maria Alvarez that are going to be able to score a large amount of points in a short period of time
0: like you said, microwave score, and um, I think that's so crucial for USF because, I mean, looking at the talent, uh, there's no there's no um, lack of abundance of talent on this team. I mean, it's, it's just full of talent, and getting them to, to work in clockwork, getting them to work in tandem, you're looking at, like we said, uh, we were talking about before this pod, I mean, how are they not a top 25 team? Uh, I think they're receiving votes. I think... I'm not sure how many off the top of my head, but still, I mean, once you get that going in clockwork, this team can do a lot. Um, it's just the the amount of quality is that Jose Fernandez over the years, especially that international core that he has. Um, it's so impressive because you get so many quality players from all over the world, and they've played in the biggest stages before, and um, just having them all kind of come together at USF and and work in tandem has been so impressive to see, um, over the years. And of course, been plagued with injuries, uh, the USF team, um, like we said, knock on wood, fingers crossed, everybody stays healthy throughout the season with COVID and also with with injuries too. Um, I want to look actually now at, at the schedule. Uh, this is a pretty packed schedule in terms of Mm -hmm. quality of opponents. Um, looking at just right out the gate of course you have um uh jacksonville on saturday at your first game then a few days later you take on the reigning national champs because they didn't play uh the championship last season uh baylor um on tuesday and then a couple days later you go up against mississippi state another top 10 ranked team um Again, that's that's kind of a gauntlet, but it's a gauntlet that USF is used to, um, especially Jose Fernandez. He likes to throw these top-level opponents um, at his team. But looking at these games, just looking at the season as a whole, um, what are the games that stick out to you most, Francisco?
1: So, like you said, obviously right off jump, Baylor-Mississippi State, two top-ten teams, you know, the biggest gains of their season. But I think in a season like this one, the Bulls need it more than they ha- than they have in the past, you know. They're no strangers to playing tough non-conference slates, but this season with having Yukon out, you know, that 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 was always a top 10, top 5, top 3 team that they would play every single season. So I think with with Yukon out of the conference now, they're going to need those Top 25 RPI games to, to, you know, solidify their case for for higher seats in the NCAA tournament. But besides those those two non-conference games, I look at Cincinnati away on December 22nd, a game that U, the USF lost last season. You know, they're going to be gunning. They're going to be gunning for USF. They got two. So USF received the majority of the vote to be the preseason winner of, of the conference. Cincinnati received two votes and UCF received one. So Cincinnati's Cincinnati and UCF are the two games that I'm really looking at because those are gonna be those are gonna be the teams that are really gonna be gunning for USF, especially, you know, those war on I four games, you never know what's gonna happen. USF lost both to them last last season. Um, so you know, they're improving, you know. USF it used to always be USF and UConn at the top, you know. During the time in the American, USF finished second place to them the most out of anybody else in the conference. But now these other teams are getting better and they're they're ready to challenge USF. You know, trying to take this conference as well. So the two the two games that I'm really looking at are Cincinnati away, UCF away.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on those two uh, those two top ten games. Um, of course, Baylor and Mississippi State you don't really want to play them, uh, in a season at all. I mean, they are dangerous teams to look out for, but especially when you play them in the same exact week, of course, you're it's a challenge, but I think USF is really up for that challenge. And I agree a hundred percent of what you were saying. Um, when you had Yukon in the conference, you're playing a top team every season, uh, two or three times every season, inherently just based on, on the conference. Um, but now you kind of have to fill up for that because, of course, if you want to be the best, you have to play the best teams too. And so, having Baylor and Mississippi State, those are going to be really kind of like tempo setters uh, for for what USF can, what you can expect from USF throughout the season. I mean, win or lose to those games, it's going to be based on how you, well you play um, right off the bat. And of course, they're going to be in that sort of lull too. I mean, we're going to see that sort of sluggishness in the beginning of the season um as teams are getting back to to fitness and everything and that's something you're going to see across the the conference but starting out with these two teams uh is is really pivotal too and of course USF in Waco last year gave uh Baylor that scare that mm-hmm. 58-46 loss um again with the talent that USF has has developed even in this past season i would honestly i would not be surprised to see usf win that game um I'm, I'm I'm calling it a bit of wild card here maybe a, a bit of a what i want to see um a little bit just to just to see usf beat one of these top 10 teams um i would not be surprised if usf honestly takes either one of those um you know what, i'm gonna go a little crazy i think maybe they could take both of them let's just i'm calling it honestly uh I could be wrong. I've been wrong, but hell, I mean, I, I'm I'm feeling USF women's basketball this year. I I feel like they just got a little extra pep in their step. But um, of course, on those two, and of course, you talked about Cincinnati and UCF too. Looking at UCF, I mean, they lost both legs of those war of the Warren I four. Um, hot on their heels, really. Uh, they're really kind of nipping at 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 USF's heels. Um, In the conference, of course, with UConn leaving, it left such a gap behind it in terms of uh, teams. Of course, USF was close to it, closer to it than anyone. But now that gap has significantly decreased. And so USF has to really be on their game um, with teams like UCF and uh, Cincinnati hot in their heels, really. Um, but based on what we've seen, of course, anything can change in in college basketball. Uh, especially this season, too, um, with everything up in the air with with COVID. Um, do we see this team as, as like a, you know, late round sort of NCAA tournament team? Uh, maybe first couple rounds NCAA tournament team or NIT winners, uh, NIT level team? Where do we see this?
1: So I definitely see them as a tournament team whether they ma- i i can see them making it at least to the sweet 16 i would not be shocked they are extremely deep and i think they are built for a season like this i think in the past usf has suffered a lot of injuries and when they have not that they weren't prepared for it but they didn't have the necessary personnel to overcome those types of losses i think with the with the absolute depth that they have at every position, because if you look at if you look at the roster, it's like at guard they're deep, at forward they're deep, at center they're deep. So I think whether it's injury or, God forbid, you know, COVID hits a couple of players and they have to sit out for a week or two. I think this team is, has, you know, a good mixture of youth, of veterans, and and just overall depth that can help them overcome something like that. So. I can definitely see this team making it at least to the Sweet 16, if not further. And I think especially with UConn out of the conference, people are going to be able to see USF shine. I feel like they've always been overshadowed by, you know, just the immensity of UConn. But I think this year they're gonna, you know, obviously not yet because they were left out of the top twenty-five, but I think people are really gonna see how good of a program USF is and, and they're gonna show and they're gonna show it
0: yeah i mean it seems like of course jose fernandez every year means business but especially this year um when there's so much that could happen and i mean they've dealt with so much adversity before i feel like they're just not immune to it but just they know they know they've been there before so when people go down like we said there's so much depth that can fill in that role and like we said with the football season you're gonna have to have depth uh in any sport you play in basketball, it's inherently uh, key that you have depth. I think it's gonna be it's gonna come down to who who has that quality of depth, and USF is building that, um, and that's so important. But let's flip the coin. Uh, let's go to the men's team, a team that doesn't rank as high as USF's uh, first-place preseason poll uh, prediction in the AAC. Um, but to me, they're a bit of a dark horse, uh, the men's team, and, and it's a little bit, it's it's pretty exciting to see what sort of uh, what they can become um, this season. There's a lot of question marks, but honestly, I think that's a good thing, and I think we're going to see a lot of quality shine through. Um, USF, of course, is tabbed to uh, they were picked fifth in the preseason poll for the AAC. Um, you know, middle of the pack on paper, but Based on the talent that they've that they've picked up uh, in the off and and of course with recruiting, um, they're building a, a kind of a frightening squad uh, for a lot of other teams. Um, of course, we'll go in the similar format: players that stand out, uh, newcomer of the year, and then surprise of the season too. Um, Francisco, who are your players that stand out on the men's team?
1: So immediately. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna dive into Caleb Murphy. I'm a, I'm gonna save him for my newcomer of the year, but he's definitely a player to watch already. Um, but players to watch that that were already established, I'd say Alexis Yetna, and I'd say David Collins. You know, they're obviously the two best players on the team. You know, they're veterans. Yetna, I think, is the most important player on USF's team. He's he's the best overall player. Because, you know, he was just like Bethy, like just like Bethy Manunga on the women's team. He was a double double machine while he was with USF. He averaged twelve. He averaged. Give me a second here to look at my notes. I just want to be correct. Um, he averaged twelve point six points and nine point six rebounds. So he basically averaged a double double. He he had the most rebounds for a freshman in AAC and USF history. So I think that, that his contribution was missed the most on last year's team because USF finished second to last in rebounds per game, in defensive rebounds per game. And so many times you would see opposition just getting offensive rebound after offensive rebound after offensive rebound, and that really hurt them. So I think Yetna coming back, Along with his offense and his rebounding, is going to be the most important player, and then David Collins is just the best scorer on USF. Led the team in scoring last season. Um, he he tested the waters in the NBA, but ultimately decided to come back. But yeah, best best scorer on the team. Um, he struggled a little bit last season, more so than the year that they won the CBI, and he and he really took charge on and took over late in games. You just didn't just wasn't the same for some reason. But I expect him I expect him to be back to his normal self this year because so last season he shot 25% from three. But he's shown that he's a much better shooter than that. You know, the season before he shot 33% from three. And I think I don't know what caused the regression, but I definitely see him taking a leap forward again. Um, especially after Teams in the NBA definitely told him what he needed to work on if he wants to make it to the next level. So I definitely see this being a bounce-back season for him.
0: You know, I agree with you on both of those. Um, <laughs> I, I had DC and Lex um, as my picks, too. DC, the interesting thing about him is when he's in his stride, he is insanely good. Um, just seeing him play when he's at his best is... is Honestly, pretty scary. Um, the guy is incredible. Uh, what he does, of course, top goal or sorry, almost the top goal scorer, top scorer for um, <laughs> for for USF last season. Um, and I think what's interesting is that Coach Brian Gregory, we had a chance to speak with him uh, today, and um, Will Turner of Two Four Seven asked him, "Is uh is DC just uh, you know a step away from being considered?" Um, I'm paraphrasing, but being considered one of the best guards in the in the country and um, and what is it going to take to to kind of get there? and and the answer was just efficiency. Uh, being efficient. Um, and we've seen that sometimes, but there are other times where he's just not in his stride. And so being consistent, being efficient, if he can pull that off, which given that now it's the senior season, um, it's his time to really show, hey, This is what I'm here to do. Basically. Um, I'm here to lead this team. I think if he really locks into that sort of mentality, then that efficiency and that consistency will come with it. And he'll make his name as, as one of the best, uh, in the conference, at least he may surprise everyone and be the, um, one of the best of in, in the country, uh, up there with, with some of the top guys. Um, Of course, his three-point shooting uh, efficiency was not the best last season, Mm. uh, 26% from three-point range. I mean, the guy's pretty much a slasher, um, but he's also going to be able to shoot on the perimeter too. Um, But I really expect him to own that guard position. Uh, He's really going to just kind of make that his own and, and really use that as a way of leading the team. Uh, his senior already on the team, he knows this team pretty well. He knows this conference too. Uh, he's been in it. He's just got to get consistent, and I feel like that will kind of come throughout the season. Um, and of course, Lex Yetna. I mean, uh, Alexis Yetna, The guy's a uh, an animal. I mean, on on the uh, on the glass, and he missed all of last season with that injury. Of course, just days before that was about to to tip off. Um, but he's already, this season, he was tabbed to the, the preseason second team. So without even playing a minute last season, the conference already sees him as, as a uh, as a machine, really. Um, like you were saying, the guy's a double-double machine. Um, and he can find the bucket, too, which is so important for forwards. And again, he's going to be that guy that when you're planning up your... Uh, when you're play, going to play USF and you're planning up your plans for the game, you're gonna say, hey, watch out for Alexis Yetna. I mean, like he's gonna be the guy that's everyone's gonna want to double team. Um, but the guy's big. I mean, he he'll he'll kind of muscle that off. But yeah, he's gonna be the the pillar of, of the team um, aside from DC. He I feel like the two of them are just gonna kind of hold it up.
1: I think I think Yetna coming in. Is going to help David Collins get back into form. Cause I think with Yetna being out last season, DC took a lot on his shoulders. And Yetna was, you know, a reliable three-point shooter in his in his first year at USF shot 36% from three. So I think in a lot of that pick and roll action, you know, Yetna would be able to pop out and give DC, you know, the lane so he could drive and slash and do what he wanted. And I feel like last year, you know, Michael Durr's Michael Durs a good player. Mircevic was a good player, but they did not have the same ability that Yetna did to shoot the ball. So that allowed defenses to key in on D.C., close off the lane him, And I think that was part of the struggles because you see D.C.'s points per game. 2018-2019, he averaged almost 16 points a game with Yetna. And Yetna averaged 12.3. So, but then you look a year later, and he drops off to 13 points a game. So I really think that Yetna being on the floor helped DC, and I think that he's going to help him again. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the two of them linking back up.
0: Well, you kind of touched on it a little bit uh, in the beginning when you said you wanted to save it till later, but... Uh... Go ahead and tell us your Newcomer of the Year.
1: <laughs> so this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. If you've been following USF basketball over the last several months up to a year, the most... The the, the Newcomer of the Year is, is Caleb Murphy. There's no question about it. The highest-rated recruit in USF basketball history. Just such a... If you haven't looked him up on YouTube, I highly suggest it. His mixtapes are absolutely ridiculous. This kid has the potential to be something really special for USF. And, you know, last year we talked a lot about Jameer Chaplin. And we we, we had a good reason to because he was also a, a pretty, pretty highly rated recruit. Um, but we didn't really get to see much of him on the floor last season for USF. I would not expect the same thing to happen with Caleb Murphy. I think... He's gonna be an immediate contributor. I don't know if he'll start from day one, but I definitely see him see him making the starting lineup and keeping his spot in the starting lineup at some point in the season. Um he can get to the rim with an ease that is just incredible. Can finish with both hands around the rim, is a really good slasher. Um I, he needs to work on his shooting a little bit, but I think with his ability to penetrate, it's just He's going to make life a lot easier for Justin Brown and and Alexis Yetna and the other shooters on this team to, to, you know, collapse the defense and then kick it out. So really excited to see what he's going to be able to do with this team and this offense. And, and you know, when he wants to be, he can also be a really good defender if you look at some of his highlights. Um, was great at, you know, stealing the ball a la LaQuincy Rito and then just going down the court and, and slamming it down. So. Really excited to see what Caleb Murphy is going to be able to do in the USF uniform, not just this year, but if, if he, if he decides to stay for multiple years, what he's going to be able to do in that time.
0: You know, I anticipated that you were going to pick Caleb Murphy Um, (laughs) just had a hunch. So I, I went with, I agree with honestly, everything that you said. And I do think he's going to be such important playmaker, but, um, and I might make, I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of pulling this one out of my hat, but there's a good reason to it. Uh, I'm going to go with Prince Aduro. Um, okay. Because, honestly, the guy for a forward, just the sheer size of him. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got he's got center qualities, basically. He's 6'8", 255. You know, on a team where you have two guys uh, who are over 7 foot, um, I mean, having... Size is so important, but just having a size as a forward uh, is going to be super important. He didn't have the greatest numbers um, at Mississippi State before he transferred to USF. In fact, they're really low. Uh, Rebound number, surprisingly, 0.9 rebounds per game. So not even a whole rebound a game. Um, And 1.2 points per game. I don't know if he'll be an immediate impact, but I feel like what he really needed was more playing time. And I think he's going to get that at USF. And I think that's going to be so important for him to kind of develop more into maybe some sort of double-double machine. And um, in the cases that what we said about Lex kind of being that that support system for DC, um, helping him get better, and they kind of play in tandem, almost like Splash Bros, kind of. I got a feeling Prince Aduro can, can do that too, uh, eventually. Um, I'm not going to say he's going to be at the level of Lex or he's going to be close to the level of Lex, but... I feel like he could come in off of the bench um, and be that important sort of connection with DC. I mean, they played prep basketball together; and they know each other. They know each how their game works. Um, in fact, they're they're pretty close. So seeing that um, is is going to be really important. And of course, I mean, the guy is huge. Uh, he's not going to be just a guy for screens. Uh, of course, we could see that definitely. But I gotta feel like his uh, he's going to be getting on the scoring. Uh, on the score sheet, I mean, eventually. Uh, just getting him those minutes is going to be pretty important. But like I said, a bit of a wild card, but um, I think he'll be pretty important. And his best, best basketball uh, is on the way, I think. Um, maybe maybe that was a little better saved for surprise of the season, but um, Francisco, let's hear your surprise of the season.
1: Um, so my surprise of the season... Is I I I would say, I was gonna say Prince Aduro a- Aduro, but um yeah I agree with everything you said, and I think him and Russell Tachua, the two the two transfers this year, were brought in. And I hate to keep banging this drum, but the importance of Alexis Yetna missing time, I think. The rebounding numbers were were just so important to BG that look he brings in two two huge guys you know like you said six eight two fifty five and then Tachuca coming out of Texas Tech seven foot two sixty so you know a lot of size and I the reason that I picked Prince Oduro is because BG said it that he was excited about the way that he finishes around the rim I completely agree with you that he's gonna become a a a consistent score on this team because I feel like BG trusts him in those types of situations. I feel with USF, there were a lot of games last year where they left a lot of points in the paint and missed a lot of, you know, close twos and stuff like that. I feel like with Oduru, you know, his size, he'll be able to clear it out down there and just be able to put the ball in the basket. So I, um, I'm i excited to see what he can do. And, you know, him and Tuchua are, are going to, I feel like they're both going to play big roles.
0: Yeah, I mean, to Russell Techua, like you said, one of those seven footers on the team, uh, along with Michael Durr, mm-hmm. he's going to be a, a pretty, pretty important playmaker um, for that team. For surprise of the season, I was kind of in a toss up. I was thinking of of Luke Anderson, um, who sat out last season due to redshirt rules. Um, but I want to talk about Jameer Chaplin. Uh, he's a guy that. I remember at the beginning of the season um, Brian Gregory said that he's probably one of the most athletic players on that team. Um, I don't know if that's changed since then of course over in the offseason players are getting better um, you know building up as well but Jameer Chaplin he did not even start a game uh, 0.9 points per game not impressive at all really on this on, on paper um, but during the the season it's kind of like that uh christina bromejo situation um where just flashes of brilliance and as long as you kind of get that refined and get that consistent i feel like that will be uh really key and brian gregory has said that he's improved drastically uh since last season and like i said i got a feeling it's it's that similar sort of situation just like with christina bromejo um where it's a player that's just improve so much and that can really start kind of pushing their way into um you know that's maybe that six man sort of spot um or even starting a few games uh i feel like with him you just have to kind of give him the time to to really go out there and and do what he can do um basically and honestly i i see the talent in him i see that he's a talented player i just getting him time think is going to be pretty important. So um I actually yeah, I had Luke Anderson in my mind then I also had Russell russell Tuttle as well. Um yeah, I actually had like quite a bit of the roster in mind for that, but I had to go I had to settle on Jameer Chaplin. But um um I shouldn't say that. I should, I, I didn't have to settle on him. Like that's my pick. Yeah. I, yeah. I think yeah, he's going to be um he's going to be pretty important, I feel like just no matter in how much he plays, basically. I
1: I also want to talk about someone you know. I feel like that we've kind of like, kind of like brushed over him, and the excitement of you know getting Lex back, you know adding Tatchua and and Oduru, but Michael Dirt. I feel like I feel like he's gonna hang on to his starting spot, and I feel like he's gonna improve because he took he took a pretty big jump. I feel like he improved significantly from year one to year two especially in the free throw category his his freshman year at usf he was he was a pretty bad free throw shooter you know only shot 53 percent from the line but then took a huge jump in his second year to to end up shooting 63 percent from the free throw line and also contributed you know 6.7 points a game you know isn't huge but I feel like he's going to take another jump because I feel like he's going to just keep improving. He he made such a big jump from his freshman year to his sophomore year, and especially with this extended offseason. I feel like that's something that we kind of haven't talked about enough, but I feel like all these players on the men's and women's team are going to be able to make bigger jumps because they've had this extended offseason. So I would not be surprised to see Michael Durr have a, have a really good season for the Bulls.
0: Yeah, and honestly, while we're on the, the topic of just adding on players to who we think are, are going to stand out, Justin Brown. I mean, the guy is a uh, absolute proof. I mean, if you look back at, I think it was that UConn game, he had 22 points in that game. Um, just an impressive display from him. And again, I mean, he's he's caught in between that sort of guard and forward role. Um, he's played a bit of both too. But, I mean, he's he's versatile. I think that's the important thing, and he, he may not start all the time uh, now that you have new guys who are being introduced into, into the um, into the team, but bringing him on for versatility, I mean, the guy can can pretty much score from anywhere he wants um, on the court, so uh, yeah, I think he'll be pretty pivotal, too, again, in, in that same sense of however much he plays
1: or however much he doesn't play when he will, I feel like he'll be pretty important. Um, I. I love that you talk about, you know, there's a word that you said in there, versatility. And I think that's something that you can say about this entire team. This team is big. This team is deep. So I think that there are a lot of different, you know, lineup combinations that BG can go with here. You know, he can he can go big. He can have yetnat at the five and then play, you know, he could possibly play four guards if he wants to. He can play DC, he can play Castaneda. Brown and um and Murphy, you know, they're all they're all big, you know, Murphy's six four. DC's listed at six four. Um, Justin brown is is listed at six six. so I feel like if he wants to go big, if he wants to go small, depending on the opponent, I feel like this team has the versatility, the size, the depth to be able to do that. So that's that's something to definitely be excited about.
0: Yeah, and even thinking, too, of that void that was left behind by uh, LaQuincy Rideau. I mean, mm-hmm. such a pivotal player for the team, and and um, that guard duo with him in DC was so crucial to USF throughout their time there. Um, and now seeing that that other guard position is wide open, I mean, you can fill it with someone, or you can completely switch everything around, and you can have multiple guards out there at once, more than just two. Um, I. I don't know. There's so much that can be done with this team. There's so many pe- players that, like you were saying, can do so many jobs all at once, um, and I think that's so crucial to having that. But the thing to be wary of is making sure that they're consistent in what they do. Yeah. Um, you know, just not having a guy who has a great three-point night and then the next night he's shooting, you know, twenty percent or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's not something you want, of course. But getting consistent. Uh, with your versatility, is, I feel like it's going to be extremely important. And and if they USF can pull it off, hell, they might surprise uh, the, the the country. Honestly, um, basically, I, yeah, that's that's a good segue into to looking at um, basically setting the tempo for USF um, throughout the season. Looking at some of the games to look forward to. Um, what are some of the games that you think will be really important and maybe not just setting the tempo, but just pivotal throughout the season too?
1: So I think the the non-conference slate of games are gonna be important just for the sake of, you know, getting that lineup right. You know, there's a lot of players, there's a lot of players that deserve playing up time on this team. I think it the 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 non-conference slate is just gonna be a time for BG to like tweak stuff, you know, find what works for this team, what their identity is going to be. But um, from their non-conference slate, you know, obviously the big, the big two games are Virginia Tech and LSU Virginia Tech. uh, It's an ACC team and the ACC arguably the best basketball in the country. Um, But I think, I think, I think USF has the potential to beat Virginia Tech. You know, they lost their top score in the country last year. Um, he, their top scorer went, ended up going to Memphis, actually. So, so we'll end up seeing him eventually. Um, but Virginia Tech, it's going to be a big game to see what they're able to do. And then LSU's, you know, a top three team in the SEC. So, I think LSU is going to be their toughest game. Um, and and they're returning, you know, multiple five star recruits, you know, and, and and they and they got a couple of new ones on that team. So. I think that's going to be their toughest game, and those are their two most interesting games. And Rhode Island is is also is also very interesting, just because you know the A10 is another very good basketball conference. Um, They're consistent. They're consistent. They make the NCAA tournament almost every year. So those are going to be three litmus tests to see what USF is made of. And then moving into the conference, you know you have your regulars. You got Houston, you know, they're they're the best team in the conference by far. Number 17 in the country in the preseason poll. Um, they return they returned most of their players from last year, including including two players on the on the all AAC second team. So they're gonna be impressive. They're gonna they I think they're gonna top the conference again. So that's obviously an important game. You also got Memphis, who was selected to finish second you know they lost their best player from last season and Precious Achua got drafted by the Heat just last week um but they replaced him with another five star <laughs> called uh, Musa Sise another center who's the number one player in the state of Tennessee and he is he's a monster you know athletic big and that's to go along with returning a, lo- a bunch of players from last season so that's another very important game for USF but I think those games are winnable, you know? I I don't think it's impossible for USF to get wins out of those games, especially considering how deep and how talented they are this season. And then the the last game that I want to point out is SMU. So SMU, I think, is a dark... Along with USF, even though they were picked to finish third, I feel like a lot of people are underestimating them this season as well, and I could see them coming in first or second in this conference. They're returning three out of their four top scorers from last season, and and two of them averaged 14 points a game, and the another one averaged 11. So I think they're going to be real impressive, and I think this going to be a big game for USF to see what they're really made of. And then Cincinnati, I expect a bit of a regression. You know, they lost two first-team all-AAC players. But they're, they're still going to be a talented team. I just don't see them reaching the heights that they've had the last couple of years with Cumberland and Trevon Scott. So those those are the games I'm really looking at.
0: Yeah, and honestly, I agree with all of those um, again. But I think specifically, um, and I'm glad you mentioned Rhode Island at that mix too, because um, like you said, they're a pretty strong A-10 team. They're nowhere near uh, um, uh, Dayton. Of course, Dayton is, is the perennial sort of powerhouse. But um, yeah, they're up there. They're pretty good um, in, in, in that conference. And I think having that test uh, really early on is is going to be, you kind of ramp it up a bit. I mean, of course, you the tournament games, uh, you look at it, you go, you play um, Rhode Island at Mohegan Sun, and then you go around, turn around, and you play uh, Virginia Tech, also at Mohegan Sun. Um, so you're on the road to basically start your season. I mean, of course, USF plays Florida College uh, tomorrow. Um, I don't think that's going to be much of a game for them. No yeah. no disrespect to Florida College, but just um, your your season really kind of starts on the road um, yeah. in UConn um, territory. So seeing that uh, is going to be a real test of, of USF early on uh, to just kind of hit their stride. Of course, you... Have LSU later on down the line uh, to to wrap up your non-conference schedule. Like we said, SEC team, uh, I think they're tabbed third in the preseason poll um, for the SEC. A very important team um, and a very difficult team. Uh, They can be a difficult team to beat. Um, So that'll be a test as well. That's going to be Atlanta for Holiday Hoopsgiving. I love that name so much, Holiday Hoopsgiving. Mm. Um, but right after that, you look at your four first conference games, your first four of them, uh, those include Cincinnati on the road, Memphis on the road, and then you go up against UCF at home. So right away, you get hit with some of the big, big guys right out of the gate. Um, like we said, Cincy, maybe not as good as they were last season. Um, Memphis, I have a feeling they'll be even better than they were last season. Um, of course, Preston, I lost my... Uh, my pronunciation there, Pressure um was so pivotal for them. He was so important to that team. Um, but like you said, they picked up another five-star recruit, homegrown talent. Um, and I mean, Penny Hardaway, he 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 does the work with Memphis. So uh, always I, exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, what he does with that team is pretty pretty incredible. Um, UCF. I don't obviously they're not as good as as the time they went to the tournament and mm-hmm. uh, ever since they lost Taco Fall I I have a feeling they just they just went d- downhill um it's the it's the Taco Fall effect but yeah <laughs> um yeah I think it's interesting that um USF could really kind of bunk that sort of trend that that UCF is is kind of better at everything basically um with the men's team and so um I feel like those games are more winnable uh, than they were before. Um, But, yeah, nothing short of an early gauntlet uh, for USF. And, of course, you got to look at SMU, too, um, down the road. And you've got Houston as well, who uh, is a very strong team. They have been um, for a while. But, mm, sorry, excuse me. Um, SMU, I mean, what LaQuincy Rideau did on the last day of the season of the regular season last year, um, it shows really how, how kind of how, like you said, they're, they're both kind of dark horses. And I feel like people, um, not really SMU is dark horse. Of course, they're ranked higher than USF, but those are two teams that are really going to be, I feel like kind of dueling with each other in a sense for, um, for that sort of maybe third or fourth spot, um, in the conference at the end of the day. So, Yeah, um, USF has its work cut out for them for the season, especially early on. And I think setting that tempo early on is gonna be really pivotal. And like you said, finding that lineup right away, as soon as you can, um, finding out which guys go where is gonna be really, really crucial too. Um, We've already passed the hour mark in this podcast. I can't believe I've looked it up at the corner here, seeing how long it is, but um, real quick, where do we see USF men's basketball? Do we see them as a as an NIT uh, contender? Maybe Um, someone who can reach the early stages of the uh, of the. um, Of March Madness, where where do we see them?
1: So I have USF finishing. I can see them finishing top three in the conference. It would not shock me to see them finish top three in the conference and I think they could make noise in the AAC tournament. That being said, I think I think they could make it to the NCAA tournament, but I see them more as an NIT type of team. But a NIT team that could potentially make it deep, make a deep run in the NIT, possibly even win it. That's That's how I see them right now. But who knows, they could surprise us and just have an extraordinary season, make the tournament, and, and and take it from there. But as of right now, I see them as a NI, NIT title contender. Hey, that works
0: for me, man. Having both basketball teams on campus, um, I feel like we're we're starting to become a basketball school. USF is, I mean, mm. the women's team for so long has been so good, um, and now the men's team is, is finding its stride too, and. I, it's great to see that it's a um, it's becoming a almost like a basketball school. I mean, you look at Baylor too. Baylor, both of its teams are are good, like really really good. And um, I mean, its football team too did did some things as well. Um, but yeah, USF is is finding its stride as a basketball school. Question mark. Um, we'll kind of see. And as we've seen before, twenty twenty, um, and help hope not but maybe even 2021 are have thrown curveballs their own curveballs um so we'll definitely see how that goes but man anything can happen it's it's college basketball as it is like it's like we said inherently anything can happen but in the the world of covid anything can happen too Uh, on top of that even more so so um yeah we uh we're reaching hour and 10 mark almost uh, so we'll, we'll kind of cut it off here. But Francisco, do you have anything else you want to add about the season for either team?
1: Just super excited excited for it to get started. I've I've missed college basketball ever since it went away, ever since that LaQuincy-Rito shot was really the last we saw of them. So really excited for this to get going again.
0: Yeah, exciting times. Basketball's back, um, and, and we'll cherish whatever moments we can get of it. 100% we'll see y'all uh, we'll see y'all next time thanks for listening if you like what you hear rate us on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify or really wherever you listen to your pods and while you're at it be sure to follow us on twitter at usf oracle sports special thanks to casito and jordan garcia for the intro and outro music